So you always say to me, there should be sufficient detail on the packets so that if we drop them all on the floor and everything empty falls the packets, out... Empty, empty a dozen packets <laughs> on the floor. We do not recommend you do this. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I always say, because sometimes we do have team meetings and I get a sample number of packets out and I show the packets and I said, if I empty these packets on the floor and I give you the packets, can you put that particular item back in the correct packet? Mm. And I feel there should be enough information to distinguish, not just whether it's a ring or whether it's a chain or a pendant, but everything down to the last detail. Welcome to the At The Bench podcast, Talks At The Bench. Your hosts, Andrew and Louise, are passionate about business, so much so that they cannot stop talking about it. Out for a walk, over dinner, in the pub, so, grab yourself your favourite drink, settle down, and join them for a chat after the cameras stop rolling. So, Andrew, I don't think we think about the need for a good taking procedure until often it's too late. Much late, yeah. And we get bitten on the bum because there's something that we didn't record or our note-taking wasn't yes. accurate enough. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So I think that really is the need for a robust taking procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been doing this for 35 years. I've been doing this yeah. for three years. So I would really like to just um, confirm my understanding, really, mm-hmm. and make okay. sure that there's nothing that I'm missing. So I'm going to ask you a load of questions. Of course, yeah. Um, so the taking procedure protects our client and ourselves. We need as much information as possible from that client to make sure we're doing our absolute best. But equally, we live in an increasingly litigious society. So a strong taking procedure, as I say earlier, really does cover our own bums and protects us too. Yes. So I try and be obviously as true and accurate as I possibly can be, but kind of almost to a forensic level. Yeah. So collect as much information as you can. Is there anything I've missed? Is there anything... Is so, it, yeah, so that's so, the main so, reason. So, taking procedure is something that you definitely need when you accept any personal item from a client, whether it be to repair it or whether they're going to remodel it or whether you're going to melt it down. The more information <clears throat> that you can take down at that particular time really does help you, should anything, God forbid happens well lots of things can potentially happen as well that's the that's the thing isn't it which we don't like to think about it but there is a lot of things that can go wrong absolutely so in my experience i take as much care and time as i need and the majority of clients are reassured by that level of professionalism aren't they and and, and the the attention to detail they're impressed and Mm. and reassured (laughs) by the fact that you care so much to take so much time to meticulously record everything yes I do occasionally get clients who try to rush the procedure. They've got, I don't know, a taxi waiting or the bus is on its way. And on those occasions, I just say, right, you take that away for today and come back when you've got a little bit more time because I can't yeah. rush it. Yes. And I think that's absolutely right. Even if they go away and don't come back, mm. you know, I'd, I want them to come back, obviously, but equally. Yeah, it's, at the end of the day, it's your livelihood at stake. Exactly. Yeah. We've got a, a form, haven't we? A standard form, which we use in, in our um, shop. Yes. Which is a really good idea because we've got tick boxes and prompts which help you to remember all the bits and pieces that you need to remember. Yes. So that needs to be ideally in triplicate. Mm-hmm. So you retain a copy, your client leaves with a copy and there's an additional copy, um, which is kind of like, tells you where the job, job is. Yeah. yeah so it, you from the third copy 
is how you find out whether the job has gone back to the customer, whether it's in your possession. Yeah. Yep. So that's how you trace it. Yes. Which we'll come to. Mm. I suppose in one respect, we're quite old school when it comes to this, because even though we have a point of sale and a customer management system, we still rely upon physically writing out the packets and these details. There's lots of software out there now that you would do it all via the computer. Mm -hmm. But we've looked into this and we found some of the systems that we've looked at just rely upon an empty box. And it's up to you to remember to fill in the specific details regarding the item that you're taking in yeah and that can lead to so many mistakes not enough information being written down and i think this is why we have our packets that we have printed especially for us because it's a system that we've been using for many many years and as you say it's it's in theory it's i'll say it's in theory foolproof because you say it's got a tick box is it a ring is it a bracelet is it a necklace so forth is it nine carat is it 18 carat is it white is it yellow? And in theory, it should be nice and straightforward that you don't have to even think about what you go, uh, ring, uh, gold, uh, 18 carat, mm. and so but forth. But then equally, you don't want too much automation that, as you say, you don't want people to not think. No, exactly. Um, but that's, the basics are there. And that's one of the most important things to put down. Yeah, it's just good habits, isn't it? Yes. So, I mean, we haven't found anything really digital, a digital solution that's, that we think is it suits us. So no. if you know of any, please do get in touch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or maybe you're a software developer. Brilliant. Um, we'd love to hear. Please. Yeah. Mm. So you need the date yes. that it was taken in. You need a reference number. Yes. You need the client's details, yes. full details. So that's obviously full name, full address, um, contact telephone numbers. And you also need the details of the person who's taken the job in. Yes. So if you work on your own, that's nice and easy. You know it's going to be you. But if you don't, then that you need to attribute it back to a, a specific person. A salesperson. Yeah. Yes. And also an expected finish date. That is always important. That's important, yes. yeah, so that everyone knows what you're working to. So going back to the reference number... I, I realised quite quickly in my jewellery career why that reference number was important. And it's because in our shop, in, in, in general, they're sequential, aren't they? Yes. And the reason for that is if, you, if, you, if you're missing a packet, mm -hmm. you will know straight away, won't you? Yes. Because when you file them away at the end of the day, the last thing I do is check. That Make those, sure they're all there. That they, yes. Yeah. So... And I think I spoiled a packet once and I threw it in the bin and that's how I, because I spent about 20 minutes panicking, thinking, oh my God, where's that job? And then I realised I just, so I don't put them in the bin anymore. If no. I spoil a packet or, or a client changes their mind, and they sometimes do when you're writing it, mm -hmm. strike a line through it, write the reason why it's been discarded on it and file it away with everything else. Yes. So you're not in a panic looking for an item that you never had. Exactly. <laughs> and then you get on to listing and describing the item. Yeah. So the description, how would you start? I mean, I normally... Um, just go straight to looking at the hallmark mm -hmm. to record the carrot. Yep. The I, I, I read quite a few years ago <clears throat> is that you approach a product's description by, in theory, looking at it from, from a distance. Mm -hmm. You don't see a hallmark. You don't see anything. But what is it? Or is it gets nearer you, you think, oh, that's a ring. Great. And well, it's a pendant, right? And then you see what color it is. And we'll come to that a little bit mm, later. That's and what they say with gemology as well. You look at it, you, before you get your loop out, you look at it. 
with the naked eye and you go closer and closer and closer and that's what yep. you do and yeah that, that's what i tend to do and then you get closer and closer and closer and so like the final details then the pap then you would get your loop out you would have to look for markings you look for hallmarks you'd look for um, any potential problems, any cracks, any marks, any scratches and so forth. And those are the last things that you'd write. So in theory, you would mm. say you would have your tick box or you'd describe it as you see it getting closer to you. Okay, so you say what it is. So say, yes. for example, I've got a chain. Yeah. So I write down, this is the other, our packets are a bit old fashioned. So it says ladies, gents. I mean, that's out the window now, isn't it? Right. So that, that's irrelevant now, isn't it? Yes. Um, so you would just say chain. Yeah. You would say the metal carriage, you, you, the colour of the metal. You would, you would try and describe and the also, chain. I was coming to that, Andrew. <laughs> I didn't forget. So yes, and I think there's lots of different chain styles available. If you if you don't if you don't know the name, draw and, it. And this is where the, the packets are good because mm. you can draw things on the packets. Whereas yes. if you take it on via via the computer, you cannot draw. So we do find these types of drawings very, very important as well. Yeah. So, and it's good because if you if you and if you get something in and you don't know the name of, of the chain that particular chain, then yeah, draw great. It. You can yeah draw yeah. it and then you can look it up and then you don't know for next time. Yeah. And that's what I try and do. So you always say to me, there should be sufficient detail on the packets so that if we drop them all on the floor and everything empty falls the packets, out, empty empty a dozen packets <laughs> on the floor. We do not recommend you do this. <laughs> This is what I always say, because sometimes we do have team meetings and I get a sample number of packets out and I show the packets and I said, if I empty these packets on the floor and I give you the packets, can you put that particular item back in the correct packet? Mm. And we do this quite often just to remind people, oh, yeah, I, I forgot to do that. Mm. And I feel there should be enough information to distinguish not just whether it's a ring or whether it's a chain or a pendant, but everything down to the last detail. Yeah. So, Andrew, what if there's no hallmark? Um, obviously, you'd look as close as possible. You'd use a loop, but then you would not describe it as gold or platinum. Okay. You would describe it simply by its color. Okay. So it would be yellow. Perhaps it'd be perhaps a bright yellow if it was a, a higher carrot, or you would describe it as white metal. And I think this goes back to uh, valuations. I know we're not necessarily talking about valuations, but you cannot describe anything as a precious metal unless it has an actual hallmark on it. Okay. So you describe it as yellow metal. So definitely you'd look at it, you know whether it's white, you know whether it's yellow, you know whether it's red, you just put down what colour that piece is. If you can't read the hallmark, if the hallmark is worn, you would write down hallmark one or hallmark uh, unrecognisable. And similarly with gemstones, isn't it? Because... It's not our job to presume or identify a stone, isn't it? Even if the client claims that it's a diamond or a ruby or whatever, it's not for us to take the client's word for it because we can only work on facts and evidence, can't yes. we? And if we don't have evidence of... I mean, even if we had a gemstone report, that's not to say that stone is what's in the jewellery. We exactly. don't know. So I always think, say what you see. Mm. And what was it? Was it Roy Walker? Roy catchphrase? Walker, say yeah, what you see, if you see yeah. it, say it. So that's my <laughs> mantra. So I literally try and, well, I don't even try, I say what I see. Gemstone, all you know really is the colour. Yes. Um, the size and the shape. The shape, the size, exactly. Yeah, because yes. we're, we're not gemologists. So we, I'm, I'm training and I'm learning all of the time. But, you know, we it, it takes years. to. to, you, to can look at, you can look at a piece, as you say, if, if you're, you're new to the trade, you look at a piece and is it blue? What could the blue be? It could be a sapphire, it could be a tanzanite, it could be an iolite. There are lots of stones that could be a blue. Yeah. And as soon as you start saying what 
type of stone that is you are entering in yourself into you don't rabbit oh, hole on you when my you goodness yeah me. so for argument's sake if a stone comes in and um, it looks like a ruby or a customer says oh it's a sapphire you write down red yeah you write down blue and even if because you, you had a, a, a particular example with this when you wrote down white stone for mm. the customer she said it's a diamond mm. and i said um oh, okay but i do have to just write down white stone and, and actually that's a difficult conversation to have isn't it and i think you do just have to say i i haven't tested it so i just have to mm. I have yeah. to describe it. Yeah, because cause can you imagine if you write write down, you know, um, a, a, a diamond, um, 6.5 millimetres in diameter or round or whatever, mm. and it happens to be a mosinite, it could be a seasonite. Exactly, and perhaps that customer actually believes that it is a diamond because yes. in my experience, customers and clients are, aren't out to deceive you. No, I mean, some, no, no. there are some bad people who are, but in, in the vast majority, I truly believe that, that people are... Good people are actually quite honest, yeah, yeah. and they they may well think mm. that it is a diamond, and if it transpires that it isn't, and you described it as one, where does that leave you? Because sometimes these have been handed down from generation to generation, and 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 identification may get mistaken from one generation to the next. And you know what else I find quite a lot is that people come in with jewellery and they say, "Can you have a look at the hallmark and and um, tell me date it, basically?" Which mm. we can do, can't we? People say it's an antique or this is 150 years old and you'll find it's from like the 60s or the 70s and actually jewelry's got mixed up isn't it mm. so what they thought was the antique piece actually isn't yeah. and then there's a, a massive implication they were gemstones isn't there and yes. um so yeah say what you see <laughs> if you see it say it so colors sizes and shapes that's really all you can say isn't yes. it so would you map really obvious features, Andrew? Like if, if there was like a, an inclusion which was really obvious, would you make a note of that? Yeah, I think this is where writing things down physically is really, really important because, yeah, if, if you look at a, a, a stone and if there are some noticeable marks with the naked eye, yes, I would write that down. I would draw very very simple top view of a stone for instance and if there's a, a mark or an inclusion within that you would mark it on the packet okay good and one thing i've started to do as well is to look for laser inscriptions on girdles yes because you can write that down and that also just increases your client's confidence in yep. you when they can see that you're doing that. and it's a good thing to do anyway isn't it next why have we got it so we try not to assume it may be glaringly obvious but it's probably still worth saying, you know, noting what the problem is. Is that why you brought it in or why have you brought it into us? Yes. So try not to assume what might be obvious to you may not be obvious. Yeah, because we're the ones who have got a loop in our hands because we are taking time, taking everything in. And they may say, for instance, or oh, the shank is broken or the ring is broken or the band is broken. But that may be the most obvious thing. But to, people live with these problems, though, don't they? And they don't notice them after a while. And that yeah. might not be what they're talking about. Yeah. And then we look at the, at the piece a little bit closer and we go, yeah, I can see that the shank is cracked or the shank mm. is broken. But then on closer inspection, you may find some perhaps some, some further cracks or you may notice something that would else um, the, the, the chain is broken. The chain is broken in half but you look at the clasp and the clasp is worn the clasp is broken as well but if you don't notice these things at the time of taking and you just do the obvious do what the customer has asked you to do and that piece goes back and the clasp is broken or there may be a stone missing the 
client will see this and when they brought it in in their eyes and i say they're not out to get you but there was a stone in that place the class wasn't broken so then you've immediately then lost the, the confidence lost the confidence the and what do you do mm. you go it was like that when i brought it in well no it wasn't because you haven't you written never it says. down yeah, yeah. Never said. yeah exactly so it is very very important to really do look at these pieces when they come in not just that actual piece that they're saying that the shank is broken yes it is but let's have a look elsewhere the chain's broken let's have a look elsewhere so general observations then we've got a client who's got a, a gorgeous three carat diamond solitaire yes and i noticed one or two of the claws had worn quite thin mm-hmm. and of course you're going to mention it aren't you but i i always do i just kind of think there's that toss-up isn't there between you're thinking is this person going to think that i'm just trying to get more money out of them but then the flip side of that is you don't say and god forbid something happens and the stone goes missing and then they want to know why you saw it six 12 months earlier and didn't say yeah exactly mm-hmm. in one way it's a way of upselling you're not necessarily doing it on purpose but you're bringing these other problems to the client's attention it's in their interest especially in the case where the stone is going to be of greater value than the Oh cost gosh. of the job yes. you know it's, it's it's definitely in their interest to know that and you'd be doing them a major disservice if you didn't exactly so it's a good way of upselling and if you note these things mm-hmm. um, on the packet or you tell the client that x is missing or the clasp is broken you've got a chance of perhaps taking a little bit more money for doing an, yeah. extra, an extra job or the client may go yeah i'm not too fussed about that well if that's the case and you've noted this these these problems and the client has turned around and go don't worry about it i don't want that done you really do have to note that upon the packet to say uh, say two claws missing customer requested not to go ahead with it yeah customer declined um repair and yeah. also even things like scratches on a watch face that needs to be noted because sometimes and on the back and um, abrasions to gemstones, because very often you clean pieces and people get them back and they go, it looks different. And that mm. wasn't, yeah, so anything like that needs to be noted. Even And sometimes they go, why are you writing that down? And, and you just say, well, it's just an observation. It's perfectly fine. It's safe. You know, it's, it's unless it's not safe, obviously don't <laughs> see it then. It's just an observation. It is. And like I say, the vast majority of people will just go, that's fine. I completely understand. Yes. But like you say, even if the client decides to do nothing about it, record the fact that you've noticed it, record the fact that they've declined the repair. So we've recorded the metal carrot. Mm -hmm. We've recorded what the piece is. Mm -hmm. We've described it. We've described the gemstones from what we can see with our eyes Mm -hmm. and our measuring device. Yep. So we've done quite a bit of work so mm-hmm. far, haven't yeah. we? And we've we found out what is wrong, wrong with the piece. The, the piece yeah. And what actually the client wants done with the piece. Yes. So next, we, we get into the forensics nitty-gritty, don't we? Yeah. So if we've got a chain, we need to record exactly where that fracture is. Yes. Or what, what, what we're doing. So are we re- replacing a, a lobster, a bolt ring, a jump ring? It's In always the- important, obviously. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> is, is to record if you are replacing it. What size are you replacing it with? Yes. Not just replace class, replace Or is the trigger. client supplying it? Yes. Um, so that's always important. And then that then reflects upon the price. Chains, as you say, always important to put down where the break is. So measure the distance from the break to the shortest distance. So it may be from the break to the clasp or from the break to the jumping opposite the clasp. So that protects you. 
because invariably a customer may come back in saying, well, you only repaired this last week and it's broken again. Mm. And do you know what? That does happen quite oh, a lot. so many times. Because, well, I always, and I've started to say this to clients now, when a chain gets pulled enough to snap, and it's normally dogs or children, isn't it? It's likely been stretched, isn't it, for it, for it to break. To break factory, and yes. I do always say to our clients now, there is a chance that it's going to be weaker now. It might be fine. Hmm. chances it, but it, but it might be weaker the yes. fact it's been pulled enough to sna- actually snap some of the links might be weak so you yeah. might find that it's more prone to breaking through just to please take extra care with it yes otherwise when they bring it back if it goes again they assume it's in the same place and exactly. again it's not through trying to get an extra job out of you they or don't know, do they, they don't know no they've just assumed that it's gone in the same place which is probably a natural assumption to mm. make so this is why it's vitally important to record exactly where that breakage is otherwise you're just going to keep doing it free of charge because you didn't take a second to measure and record where that breakage was yeah mm. it's always important because then when the customer comes in and says i had this last week picked it up and it's broken the same spot then mm. you check the record you go and look it up on the, it's in black the computer and white. you've got it there you measure always oh, measure 14 centimeters from the bolt ring you measure 14 centimeters from the bolt ring has it broken at that spot mm. if for me if it if it hasn't and it's broken completely elsewhere we would say it's another chargeable repair if it has broken within two or three links from where we've actually repaired it i would do it free of charge yeah well that's fair because it's pretty much in the same sort of area mm. um if it's totally in different place yeah charge it and the customer understands but you say well it's actually broken that's where we soldered it there it's it's broken half an inch further along there but hey well on this occasion we'll do it free of charge for you but if you don't record it you're in a situation where you you're either arguing with the client yes. and potentially lose them or you're doing it again for free when you yep. actually shouldn't exactly oh and if the chain has a pendant take that in as well because i've done this a few times haven't oh, i yeah. where i haven't taken the, the pendant in and we've repaired the chain and they come back a week later saying the pendant doesn't fit on the chain. chain yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> don't do so what So we I end done. up putting the pendant on the chain and I'm not charging. Yeah, and then Andrew doesn't speak to me then for the rest of the day. No, I'm joking, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, same with stones. If the stone is completely missing, um, record that. Or maybe the client has retrieved it, record that. Are we supplying mm. the stone or have they have they got it? Yeah. they've given it to us yeah. um, don't leave anything to interpretation at all no. which stone or stones are we talking about um, how are you going to identify which stone is missing mm-hmm. so mm. we'd actually draw again this top view of a ring or the top view of a pendant you would draw it just the outline then you would draw the position of the stones roughly and then if there are any claws that are missing you would perhaps draw circles where the claws are and any claws that are missing you would put across and you would do it so then when you look at the hallmark from looking down on top of the ring the hallmark would be upright Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be upside down inverted you would actually read the hallmark from where it is and you would also note the position of the hallmark as well whether it be on the left hand side or whether it be on the right-hand side. So again, should anything happen, the client brings the ring back in, you can have a look at the picture, have a look at the ring, orientate the ring in the same way as you've drawn it, and you can say, say there we go, that was the stone that we replaced, or that was the claw that we replaced. Because mm. as I say, if if you don't take that time and something goes wrong, either way you're in a bad situation because you're arguing with a client or you're yep. doing it at your own expense, aren't yep, you? exactly. Uh, and also, if your client supplies the target size of the ring so the end size of the ring instead of you measuring the finger note that down as well Mm -hmm. so if the client gets that wrong and the ring doesn't fit 
that shouldn't be at your expense then if you have to redo it. No. And again, always write upon the packet customer supplied size. Or if you turn around and say, well, I think you need a size O. And they go, mm, no, I, I, I'd like it a size N because I like it a little bit tighter. Mm. And the customer has gone against what you say. Say customer advised size N as opposed to a size O that yeah. we have suggested. So again, the customer has the ring and they go, oh, that ring doesn't fit me. Well, we did say it was to an O. Mm. Again, it is just to cover yourself should anything happen. Or they, they may want it on a completely different finger. Because that's happened. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> and also write down the start and the end sizes. Don't just write down up four or no. down three. No. Because without knowing the start and the end sizes, yep. if they come back and it doesn't fit, yeah. there's no evidence to say what the end size was. No. And mm. as you know, the, the ring gauge is in the shop. The mandrels in the shop may be slightly different to what's in the workshop or somebody else's workshop if you send them away. So by saying four sizes small, it may not be the right way about it so we always put uh finger size r uh take down three sizes and then you actually put down the size that it has to go to yeah so beads if you're given beads or pearls for restringing check them make sure if, if they're, are they knotted are they simply plainly strung if they're plainly strung and the customer wants them knotted it's going to make the whole necklace longer and, and equally equally if if it's on silk or thread that's stretched they need exactly. to be informed that it's going to be exactly shorter <laughs> so they say well this necklace was an 18 inch don't take that for granted uh, count the number of pills because sometimes when the uh, a necklace is broken even if they're knotted in between they may lose one so always write down the number of beads or the number of pearls as opposed to the length and i would probably measure the diameter of the beads as well and if they graduated to measure the largest to measure the smallest, smallest. Yes. yeah, and then you've covered yourself completely. There's no more you can do with them. Exactly. Mm, okay. It all sounds so much, doesn't it? It is a lot. This is the thing. This is why you can't rush a taking procedure. And that's when they say, well, I can't you hurry up, love? I'm sorry, I can't. Mm, so yeah. you're going to have to come back. So, yeah. And this is why, isn't it? Because otherwise you are literally throwing money out the window. Yes. And you only do that once or twice before you really learn you why you, well, you can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So the other thing I wanted to ask you, Andrew, because I've got my own thoughts on this, is some books that I've read have said that you should put an insured value down. Hmm. Now, I've got my own <laughs> thoughts on this. So some people suggest that you should ask your client what the insured value is, which may be useful, but then equally it leads into jewellery appraisals, which are a whole world and discipline of their own, aren't they? Yes. And so unless you're qualified to agree or disagree with that valuation, I mean, the flip side of that is you've actually got to do an on-the-spot valuation anyway, which is <laughs> an expense in itself. Unless you can do that, is there any point in asking? It's a very awkward question because I noticed a lot of the American take-in packets have agreed value on it. Mm. But from what we have said, this, so open this whole to interpretation. Podcast, you're writing down a blue stone. That could be anything. That mm. could be a, a simulated bluestone. That could be a sapphire. That could be an iolite. That could be a savorite. That white stone, it could be a mine diamond. It could be a lab grown diamond. It could be a moss knight. It could be a white uh, sapphire. Mm. It could be a white zircon. It could be so much. But un unless you know what stone that is, 
how can you put a value well, on you it? can't this is the thing and equally it leads you into your client giving you their own interpretation of the value which yeah. could be widely far of the mark and let's be honest yes they may not know at all and in fact that's probably the only good thing that could come out of having the conversation is then you could you could tell them that it's in their interest to have a conversation about insurance and maybe refer them to a suitably qualified and experienced valuer, which would be in their interest. Exactly. But I can't think of any other... Not at all. And any other reason. And also, questions about value might frighten your client, leading them to question their item safety when it's in your care. So, yeah, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? I find that... It's open to interpretation and, and overstatement. Yeah, I find that repairs especially are always trust-based. Mm as opposed to price-based. They bring their family heirloom into you because they trust you. Yeah. So why go to that awkwardness of saying, well, what value yeah. would you what put on this? Yeah, what if I this? melt it? Yeah, what, what, <laughs> yeah. what if this gets pinched? <laughs> yeah. What, what, what's it, go, what's it exactly. worth? Exactly. You're not so, going to... No. You know, but for the grace of God, you're not going to have a burglary yeah. and, you know, you're not going to melt it yeah. after, after your experience. Yeah. But that's the point, isn't it? Yes, that is something that we have never done. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to make you frothy now, Andrew. Um, so this is one thing that absolutely drives you bonkers, isn't it? Is when people write on packets or you get asked, check all the stones. Mm. One has fallen out, replace that one and check all the others and, and, and make sure that they're safe. It is because <laughs> we have this all the time. I think that the problem is when you take in a ring and you work on it it goes through a lot of processes uh, finally it sort of goes through perhaps being steam cleaned or whether it goes through say an ultrasonic under those circumstances the majority of stones stay in place you look at it there are claws how over all the stones and you're quite happy that at the time that you have looked at that ring the stones are secure so that is what you've been asked are the stones secure make sure the stones are secure and the fact that they are, okay. And if one happens to come out of the ultrasonic um, or steam cleaner, um, perhaps you'd advise the client to say, well, one stone has come out because the claw is worn, but it should not even get to that stage because that should be picked up at the taking procedure. But the problem is then a customer will come in then a week later and say, well, I brought this ring into you last week. You said all the stones were secure, but one's fallen out. Mm. Where do you stand? Well, you would say at the time of taking, that was fine. You don't yeah. know what they're going to go out and do to that ring, that, do you? And yeah, that fine. It withstood all the cleaning, all the polishing, all the ultrasonic, all the steam cleaning and so forth. And at that time, the stones were fine. There was enough metal holding the stones into place. But I am not responsible once that stone leaves my possession. And I think this is the awkward thing about it. And that's why I don't like people to put on there check all stones, make sure all secure. Yeah. The only way that you can make sure that all those stones are secure is to re-tip them. Is it worth taking a little picture of the... We've done that in mm. the past, haven't we? Oh, with phones these days, with the macro lenses on the phones, you can even get the little clip-on close-up lenses on them. If you're in any doubt, take a photograph, but that has to be at the time of taking. Yeah. Not afterwards. We've done that, and I think that's an important point as well, is, I mean, some jewelers i know one of our reps that we work with worked in a jewelers and they took photographs of everything everything that came in yeah. as part of the take and they would take a photograph and i think that is a brilliant idea yes 
So if you can do that, that I think that's pretty much gold standard. If you can take a, a clear photo in a light box and with as much detail as you can, because I wanted to part our light, light box downstairs on the safe, didn't mm, I? And we, I yeah. think we might still do that. I think that is really great because you can't argue with, with, with that, can you? Says, no. Yeah, and we have taken photos of jewellery. Sometimes you just get a feeling, don't you? Mm. That some, I don't know what it is. And a couple of times, I've taken quite a, quite a lot of photos over the last year even. A lot of the time I take them and they're just on file and nothing ever yeah, happens. But exactly. a few times we've used them. We've needed them and boy, have we needed them. Yes. And they've they've really saved us and helped us out, haven't they? Yes, you just get so, a feeling because yeah. of the way the client's body language or the way they're talking to you, you think, hmm. Let me just take a photo. So if you get that this. feeling, yeah, and you think you might, it just takes a few minutes. And it yeah, doesn't, doesn't cost you anything to take a photograph on your phone. Yeah. And the best thing about that, it has the day that has the date and the time yeah. um, that, that you've taken that in. You won't regret doing it. No, no. <laughs> so on that subject, we were talking about stones coming out. Yeah. In the ultrasonic, which can yeah. happen. I've seen you frustrated and yeah, yeah and that happens. So it's worth, I think, putting a disclaimer or disclaimers on your forms if there's any room left after everything we put on them. <laughs> so you can put one about like stones in the ultrasonic. Like I, I say that every day. I, you know, you start saying something and it just comes out your mouth without you thinking. It's that sort of thing. And that's a good one. It's a good general disclaimer to put on your form, isn't it? A lot of times when we take in the repairs, we've, we've made a little stamp um, that we will stamp upon. The, the, the taking form to say we take no responsibility to the condition Oh, I haven't seen stones. that stamp. That would be there is, handy. There's a stamp there because if it comes in for cleaning, mm. we sometimes do say, well, should a stone come out in the ultrasonic, we will charge you X amount to put it back into place. Because I do verbalise it and that is that is one of the key takeaways, isn't it? Is you can tell your client, but unless you've recorded the fact that you've told them, mm. it doesn't mean anything. Exactly. But we do have a stamp made. It's bright red. You stamp it on there. We take no responsibility for stones. Oh, we must find that out. because I'm fed up <laughs> writing it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, that that's really important is you can say it, but you have to record it. Yes. Okay, so yeah, some things you will find you repeatedly write or stamp or you might want to include on your yep. taking form. And others will be more specific and require individual details. So yes. that's obviously something you have to write out. Absolutely. And that leads me on to actually working against your advice, your professional advice, which I think a lot of people forget that they can actually say no. Yeah. And for years, I think you probably, because you're so keen to help and mm. you kind of like don't want to, it's kind of like you don't want to admit that you don't want to do something or can't do something. Mm. It's that tenacity, yeah. isn't it? Which is a lot of us have. Yeah. And a lot of the time I hear bench jewelers say, I wish I'd never accepted this job or should never started it. And a lot of the time... It is really best to go with your gut or your judgment, whatever that is. Because if you're not confident that you can go ahead, really, you you, sh you can you, you can just say no, can't you? And that yeah. is it, that's sometimes the best thing to do. You shouldn't think of saying no as a negative. No. In one respect, it's no reflection against your ability to do the job, because a lot of the times you look at it and you think, do you know what? If I do this, what? other consequences a lot of people come in and say well i need, need this ring taken down nine sizes and it's it, it's all stone set there are stones down the shoulders and you think oh i'll take that down nine sizes mm. but what are the consequences is the ring going to be made sure smaller yes are you going to be putting the stones at risk are you opening up the settings and sometimes you do have to say 
No, mm. it is not possible. I'm not doing it. And even if you say I'll take the risk, I'm still not doing it. It's still, because it's not, there's not going to be a good outcome. So the answer is no. If somebody else wants reputation. to have a go, great, let them crack on. Carry on. Mm, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you do, note it down. thing is, if you do decide to go ahead, if it is something, suppose you're not confident on, say, the longevity of a job. Yeah. Because we've had um, things in, haven't we, which you say, I can't think of a for instance now. Is it like... Um, solder on a base metal or something like that and they say mm-hmm. oh but it's sentimental and i want it done mm. and then we say yes we can do it and we can get it to stick back together again but i can't tell you how long that's going to last no. it, you know so and they go well that's fine just go ahead mm. so you're not going to really damage the piece are you it's not no. going to ruin it the worst no. thing that's going to happen is it's just going to pop back open again on the solder joint yeah so in that respect i suppose it is a relatively low risk repair isn't it yes. the worst that's going to happen is they're going to be back to square one yeah you the most important thing is to note it yeah. if you don't note it you can tell them unless you note it mm. you didn't say it really mm. did you exactly so yeah if it's something as simple as the longevity of something like, like we described or this special aftercare note it note it note it and also i think your confidence in your own ability success to successfully complete a job is essential isn't it mm. you know so we're all for live for the day and seize the moment have a go try your best but you know you, you could end up putting unnecessary pressure on yourself yeah and i think don't say no to every job otherwise you're not going to make any money but 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 you do have to think again this is what i've always said what happens if what happens if i do this what will happen next Mm. what happens if i do this particular job what could happen next and a lot of the times you you just said customer just has had this in their grandmother's ring and there's no way that you can put a new shank on it or put a new setting on it and you say do you know what? if i do x y and z i can get it back to one piece for you but it's purely to where occasionally it's mm. just to look at because we cannot guarantee the longevity of the repair based upon not on on the work that you're doing but based upon the actual piece that you're working upon yeah exactly it is hard because you are very thoughtful i'm not i I would say it like it is but you break the customer in quite gradually which is which is good but then your your interest in jewelry is the technical side of it and you need to know how things work you need to know how things are made you need to know the ins and outs of that oh my gosh my family my mum in particular has always loved jewelry Mm. And I know how much she loves that her jewellery. I know how much um, her mother's jewellery and my nana's jewellery means to her. So, yeah, I guess I've got that sentimental attachment yes. that maybe you haven't got. Yeah. Mm. And there's family jewellery, which which means a lot to me. Yeah, So, absolutely. yeah, that's where we're a good team, Andrew, I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you're not quite there yet, or even if you think it's irreparable, you can say no. And don't forget, if you are not the bench member and you've got a question about a repair, you can approach Andrew for some help and advice. Yes. And finally, so our, our, our job sheet is full now, isn't it? To burst <laughs> it with information. Yes. Vital information. So we need to give our client a cost. Yes. And note that down. Yep. And finally, the last thing we would do on this job sheet is get your client's signature, which is the authorization for you to go ahead with the job. Yes. Whew. And that's about it. Do but the G&T now. The one thing that we haven't um, touched upon is the fact that our repair packets have the space for two jobs, 
two items per packet. Mm. A lot of um, repair packets out there will only allow you to have one item per packet. I think that's better. It is a good idea because mm. even though we have two, some people try and squeeze three in or try and squeeze four on the same packet, which really is too much because then by the time you put four items in one packet, even though our tick box doesn't allow it, they will still add extra. And then you're taking procedures suffer because you're not giving as much attention to all the pieces. And also people might list the items, but then list the instructions in a jumbled up fashion. Yes. They might, unless they wrap them properly, you could end up with dual rubbing against each oh, other, which gosh, is yeah. just a blooming nightmare, let's be fair. Yeah. Yes. So I think one, one, one item per packet. per packet. So, and then you, if they bring in three, you'd put one, one of three, two or three, three yeah. or three, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so there's a little bit more information that we need to put down if we're doing commissions. Mm -hmm. A few more additional considerations. So if a customer or client brings in their own metal or gold, whatever, I would weigh it Yes. and record, obviously, because we know if you don't record it, the conversation didn't happen. Yep. So record that on, the, on the, the job slip. Yes. I think it's really important as well to inform your client that there will be some attrition or metal loss um, as a result of the manufacturing process. Yes. Because you, 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 you might just find... natural wastage. Yeah, absolutely. You might find, and they're well within their rights to ask for the weight of the piece when it's finished and the weight of the any residual metal that you give them back and they're yes. going to think mm, so <laughs> you know where's the rest of it? it it is an awkward thing and again if someone gives you a, a handful of metal and they say can you melt this into a bangle you still do have to look through all the items that they've brought in to make sure that they are what they say Sometimes if there's a whole pile of gold, for instance, and there's some white gold in it, I will say I'm not going to melt the white gold down because of the problems that you could have with cracking of an ingot, including white gold. So I will take that out, either give that back to the customer or what you can do is weigh it and, and, and give it to the, take the money off a scrap. Why does white gold? Because the alloys involved Just in when the you white. Melt it, does yes. It? Okay. So this is, again, if someone brings in you 18 karat white gold, you find that a lot of times the item has been cast and the alloy is a castable alloy and not an alloy that allows you to roll it down. Um, so again, 18 karat white we don't often take in. Okay. I think the other really, really important thing that you do need to tell your client and note that you've told your client is where they provided metals of different heritages and that their finished item when hallmarked will be marked down to the lowest the next lowest carrot won't it yes depending on the the lowest carrot of the pile yes so even jewelry of the same carrot can be marked at a lower period suppose i've got um suppose all of the sentimental jewelry i've got is nine carrot yes to melt down when it goes to assay if any of those items have been altered um, in the past or repaired then the solder used to do that repair mm -hmm. or alteration may lower the purity yep yeah even, even if they bring in um, a load of chains there's lots of solder within that and if you have too much chain you have too much solder which will lower the purity of the metal okay because it's so important to have that conversation at the time of taking and note and the fact that you've had that conversation because otherwise when you send that item off to be hallmarked and they say it's below nine or, or whatever or not what they expect yes they might assume that you've 
swindled them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's horrible, isn't it? So, yes. so how do I get around that? Tell them a notice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so essentially, everything you tell like that client, you have to write down. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. It is. It is. It, it sounds a lot. You know, we've been talking for how long now? I'm not quite sure. That for forty minutes or whatever. But it 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 sounds a lot. But once you get into the swing of things and writing everything down. Um, it's just to protect you and to protect your client. Yeah, it's it's, it's protecting you and managing their expectations as well. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. Okay. We said about um, recording the information in triplicate, didn't we? Yes. So when we've done that, now we've got to the end. Hey. We've written everything down. Um, the first copy goes to your client. We always give that copy because it is the original yeah, copy. Yeah, that's their There's copy. There's no chance of that being adjusted or amended or anything like that because it has their information directly written by them on it as well. Yeah, um, so the second copy is basically our work in progress inventory so you know then what's on the premises at any one time. Yes. So that goes ideally... Ideally off-premises, in, in, really, or, or at least in a fireproof safe. safe, yeah. So that's kept away from the jobs. Yeah. And then finally, the third copy then goes in with the item. The package, yes. So that, that middle copy is basically your inventory, isn't it? It's your jobs, yes. your jobs in-house, yes. your, your jobs in-progress copy. Yes. So when your client comes in, when the job is finished, they give you copy number one. In theory. They have copy number three, which was with the job. Yes. That's what we do anyway. Yeah. And then you know then that copy one and two, when you've got them complete the done. and it can be filed away, hopefully into archive, never to be seen again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then that's that. Yes. Sometimes they don't come in with a receipt mm. and they just say, oh, Mrs. Jones from 123 High Street. Um, and we find that we get the packet. Uh, the, in theory, the copy number three we then get the client to sign copy number three and the date that they've collected it. And then we give them their repair or their commission back in a different packet. Yeah. So we then have proof that they have not brought in their original receipt, but they have collected it. And so in our records, we've either got copy one and two. So the one was the, the, the client's receipt and the t second copy was our inventory, or we've got copy number two and copy number three so we know exactly what's in and what's out yeah you need to keep track of all of that don't take shortcuts no do record everything forensically yes if you didn't write it down you didn't say it essentially use a loop use magnification yeah take photographs if you're unsure as well i know the take, take photographs if you can if you have time yes it's a good thing to do it's very good practice yeah I might start doing it, actually, Andrew, because <laughs> I think it's good. I think it is vitally important. And you don't realize how much information that you need until the time it comes when you actually need to replace or repair something yeah. that you just haven't done it. Don't, don't be in the situation where you're thinking, I wish I'd done X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I feel confident now and going forward and um, practicing my taking procedure. Thank Absolutely. You. And don't forget... If you have any questions, anything you want to ask myself or Louise, just get in contact with us the usual way. If you are a software developer and you'd like some help developing jewellery software with some really picky people, <laughs> <laughs> do get in touch Please with us because we would, we would love um, to work with somebody to basically develop something to our specifications, which are quite high. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, please do get in touch. It'd be lovely to hear your comments.